Hi guys, John here from Warrior Spirit Martial Arts on Anglesey in North Wales. Um, I've just had the pleasure of speaking with Mal Sanchez-Jones, who is the Branch Chief of Kudo in Wales. We talked about a whole host of important topics, uh, particularly discussing working with neurodivergent people in the martial arts. We also hit on topics such as Kudo, honesty and vulnerability, and bullying. Uh, this one's not to be missed, guys. So without further ado, I'll pass you over to uh, Kudo, Mal and me. All right, hi guys. Um, I'm here today with Mr. Mal Sanchez-Jones of the Goshen Kudo Academy in Barry in South Wales. Um, so we're, we're going to have a really cool talk today. We've been discussing behind the scenes about um, some, some really interesting topics. But uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Mal, before we get started? Well, from a martial arts point of view, uh, I've been involved with martial arts for a very long time. Um, the usual sort of story, get involved in martial arts for different reasons. I started originally because my dad made me, <laughs> and then it was, uh, I was judo, and didn't really get along with that for a couple of things, to be honest. was, at the time, a smaller, and um, I, I was quite bad asthmatic, and with eczema, uh, the contact was just really, just didn't like, I didn't like it. Eczema, if you know, if you rub eczema, it gets drier and drier, so if you're doing a grapple and art, it was that. So I was kind of I wanted to show into the background a little bit and then moved to karate uh, when I was about 11 and uh, never looked back really from the karate point of view. And I've always cross-trained. So, you know, my highest grade is in karate, so I'm sixth down in karate. But the uh, I wanted to have a look at a way of, of finding something that could bring all these skills together from doing Muay Thai and doing, you know, boxing and doing all these different things. And and Kudo was there was the obvious choice for me, including the headbutt. So I just have a little mention for the boys because we always talk the headbutt. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's that's kind of my martial art background, if you like. Um, but professionally, I've been involved with young people um, for twenty years. Uh, so from a youth work background, uh, moved into teaching, um, and then I worked at an alternative education provision which worked with animals as a way of uh, an intervention to working with young people with lots of different challenges in life, uh, including neurodevelopmental disorders like um, ADHD, um, autism, you know, the full spectrum really. And um, now um, I took redundancy during COVID and set up my own project. And my aim really is to combine the two of them. So they're professional standards to do with uh, working with challenging young people. When I say challenging young people, it's not necessarily their behaviour. It's about the challenges in their life and the martial arts, because I think there's a definite uh, crossover between the two. Yeah, That's, brilliant. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, so the, one, one of the sort of reasons though, when, when we had a chat not long ago, um, one of the big things that we talked about was um, how, how karate and martial arts is, is like a really, really good outlet for people uh, with neurodevelopmental issues. Um, so what's the kind of what have you found to be the sort of um like the, the main benefit so uh neurodevelopmental kind of stuff is is autism adhd that that kind of stuff right so what do you find are the, the biggest benefits uh people can get from martial arts for, for those kind of things or what, like maybe even why why could martial arts be really really good for someone uh with neurodevelopmental uh, conditions well, I think for anybody that, that's worked in in that area um, or even have got family or children um, that have got these conditions, you, you kind of learn through their eyes. So it's it's really about um, what their basic needs are. So if, say, for instance, you've got a child that's quite happy to sit in the background and just observe. 
uh, you're always trying to work out what that is. When you've got somebody that's got ADHD, for instance, they clearly tell you <laughs> what their needs are. And then people see that as challenging, which, you know, I think, again, this is why being a professional um, really helps because you can see that not as a challenge. You can see actually they just want information. Um, and information seeking uh, questions quite often become seen as challenging questions. Like if someone, for instance, is in your class and then, you know, say your class finishes at eight o'clock and they're looking at the clock the whole time. You know, mm. um, some instructors will be thinking to themselves, like, write down press-ups if they're very old school, you know, that mm. you've got 10 minutes to go. But they might actually just be thinking, I'm tired. I'm going home. The instructor might have looked at it seconds before to check how long they had left of the lesson as well. It's completely normal. So it's it's really kind of looking at um, not necessarily just the individual, but also the instructor. So I'm, I'm really, really passionate about kind of upskilling people within the martial arts to, to be able to understand uh, these things. So, you know, it's, I suppose some good parenting strategies as well. You're a lot more tolerant to your own kids, but you also let them get away with a lot. So the benefits, I guess, from martial arts is that you've got structures. So if you've got something a little bit more traditional, then, you know, they come in, you know, they have to bow at the door for some, you know, some dojos, they don't do that, but at hours you do, you know, before you start the certain etiquettes that are involved. So they, there's this structure that they know what to expect every single session. Um, whereas in when you've got more like a gym environment, it might be a little bit more daunting for them because they're gonna be thinking to themselves, like, I don't know what we're doing today. Um, and, you know, if for instance, in your club, if you're uh, very old school, for instance, in karate, they, they didn't spar very often. So when you did spar, it was quite a traumatic thing for everybody because they're thinking to themselves, like, are we fighting, are we fighting tonight? Which means that people are not learning because they're thinking about the fighting. So, you know, it's for, for instance, if you've got a very good um, platform like that, that's excellent. Um, a lot of the kids, and this is across the board, um, need role models, but they also need strategies of how to become that. So there's no point just having one person at the front holding the black belt saying, you know, I'm perfect. Because the problem is as they grow up, they'll realize that this adult isn't perfect, far from it in a lot of ways. Um, but the reality of that is, you know, that's, I think that's a big, big part of it is of being honest with yourself and honest with other people. Um, and, and again, within organizations that are more like hierarchy, then it's, it can be a little bit misleading for everybody involved, you know? So, I mean, I could, if you want to pick anything individual, I've got a million stuff on this because this is uh, really is my bag. Of, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's obviously something that you're, that you're dead passionate and like that you're dead that you know that you that you've researched it and all that. Now, um, the, the kind of angle that I'm coming from with all this is not necessarily from having research, but personally, I've, I've uh, I met, again, I mentioned this to you before, but I think that I'm somewhere like, you know, on the autistic spectrum somewhere personally, because, you know, um, uh, when I was coming up, so I'm, I'm 33 now, so you're thinking that the, the autism kind of awareness is, is a fairly recent thing. So when I was coming up through school, I was always uh, kind of, put forward as an, as an underachiever that they recognized that yeah. stuff going on in here, but they, but I didn't really fit the same structure as the school, but then give me something to learn on my own time. And I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll run with that, um, you know, forever and ever I'll do a deep dive in it. This is actually how I think that I might have one of these issues because I, once I was speaking to, to the parent of one of my students um, and she is diagnosed autistic and, and like quite quite far on the spectrum. And the more I started talking, the more I started realizing some of those traits in myself. Yeah. Um, 
so I, I did an autism test uh, online, nothing, you know, nothing diagnostic or anything, but it said that I share a lot of traits with yeah. autistic people. Yeah. Um, personally speaking, I know as well that because I was so interested in the martial arts, that's had I not been introduced to the martial arts, the, the, the character traits that I have now as an instructor, the, you know, the ability to be confident, communicate myself, they wouldn't be in me. So I know personally, you know, the transformative power of martial arts on an autistic person or, or a potentially autistic person, at least. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I th- the, the, the thing is, it's, it's the, you can't blame schools. You know, there's no finger to point, really. And the, and the spectrum pretty much is what it is with all, with all of the conditions. It's no, no one person or two people are the same. Um, you know, it's really down to people to understand that, you know, they look for the ability with somebody rather than the disability. Mm-hmm. And, you know, labels... Um, are, are not helpful, but to the person, for instance, if, if if you were diagnosed with autism, would it change your life? No. Would it help you and point you in the right direction to get certain information? Yes. Would it be a conversation starter? Yes, it would. You know, and it's like for me, when somebody um, has difficulties, when they, like anything, if it's mental health, for instance, when I started talking about my mental health, you would talk, start talking about your mental health. If, mm-hmm. if you were talking about how you cope then I'll start talking about how I cope. So these these strategies are very, very important. But it's kind of, um, within martial arts, for instance, I would say that, like yourself, martial arts shaped me as a person. And it also offered me directions that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So, you know, to be the tough guy, um, I thought myself, if you um, become this shape, no one will mess with you. You know, mm. so therefore, all of my answers are done because people are just thinking, don't mess with that guy, he's tough. But then the more you do martial arts, the more you realize you learn about vulnerabilities. So you become actually this part of my game is not very good. That part of my game is not very good. And then even when you're feeling bulletproof, you could end up in a situation on the street where, you, you know, you get your ass handed to you and there's nothing you can do about it. So, mm. you know, I think that the common thing to do with uh, conditions is, is just thinking of that term of vulnerability and then, you know, working from there. And, you know, in, in yourself, you, you know, you're um, changing your syllabus because you talked about the syllabus, didn't we, that you're yeah. constantly looking at changing your involvement in your syllabus. And that, that's not down to you as, as, a, uh, as a person. That's really down to you trying to meet the needs of your, uh, your students or those that follow you. And there's, yeah. there's a responsibility there for that. And I think, obviously, it depends on um, whether someone's really about self-promotion or whether somebody's trying to better other people and to, you know and the direction that they go um you know but it's it's a fine line between um you know doing this sort of thing where obviously the channel i called it was kind of fighting talk because i think everybody can talk fighting and i think mm-hmm. everybody has their own fight to talk about so that's why i chose that, that that name but you know i think it's where it gives people a common ground because i think some of the best learning in martial arts tends to be after the lesson you know, so you've been through this traumatic experience together and then you sit there and you talk and then you learn and exchange information. Um, and then going back to the, to those that, um, you know, maybe they're ADHD, for instance, they, they get um, kind of stereotyped as having very short attention spans. Mm. But we all do. <laughs> you know, if you're interested there, it just goes out the window. You know, you get it. Those that are autistic are seen as... Uh, being quite slow, uh, but they're not. They're really not. 
um, and they can be really far ahead, which annoys the crap out of most most of the kids around them. Mm. So the social skills, for instance, in a martial art club are really good because they're it's kind of managed, isn't it? So it gives them an opportunity to talk at certain times mm. and not talk within the class. And no, because nobody can talk, it gives them opportunity to learn. Definitely, yeah. yeah. You know, so they, again, that's it's going on a tangent, but that's that's pretty much some of the some of the things that you see on a regular basis, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, just on, on the topic of tangents, this is something that um, Andy Allen was saying when I had an interview with him is, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm going to go off on tangents, but like, that's that's perfect. I'm, I'm all about tangents myself. So, you know, go on as many as you want. That, that's how conversations work, really. Yeah. Um, so uh, something interesting that you said then, um, you know, tying in something that you said previously about, um, you know, more traditional schools where the instructor was, uh, you know, would pose themselves as a perfect human being, that, that the paragon that everybody had to live up to. Um, now, this is, this is not by any means speaking badly about the organisation that I've come from, but it's it was, at times I felt a little bit disconnected from, um, you know, the instructor rank and the student rank, that you weren't able to really, um, you know, mesh in with each other. And, and it did almost become that you had to live up to the standard of the instructor. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that since I've gone independent, like you say, with, with the new um, syllabus type of stuff that I'm working on, uh, it is a lot more to do with, um, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm happy to be vulnerable in front of my students. You know, I'm, I'm happy to uh, this. The conversation about the autism wouldn't have come up if I hadn't been sharing. They, they shared with me. I shared back with them. We had an interesting conversation about it. And it is it's mega important to be upfront and honest and show your vulnerability in front of people. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's interesting you said, uh, Andy, because I've, I've, like, there's a lot of guys online that I've been following. It's just whether you get the time. I mean, social media can be so, um, so you know, you have to invest so much time to, to yeah. nurture relationships. I, I find relationships online much more difficult um, because you can't really keep their plate spinning and how you communicate is very difficult. And again, that's down mm-hmm. to a lot of the, you know, like what we're talking about now, the difficulties in communication. But you know, you can see that that when somebody's evolving something for the students, there's a big difference in saying that I I work with the children with disability. It's like well done because you, you know you can do that, but it's whether you're person-centered with your planning. So mm-hmm. you know, for myself, um, actually reducing numbers because of COVID, you know, when we were running at say 14, that's what I would run in a class anyway. I mean, I've got a small dojo. I did think to myself. At one point, you know, maybe I wanted something bigger, but the more more members, the less I can invest in the individual. And that's not a cop-out because of what I did as I had more and more classes. So I've actually got more members now than I've ever had. And I think that's down to the fact that you're looking at the individual, you know. Yeah. And I, I just don't think that when, you know, like, again, going back to kind of styles, um, I, I think people should be a little bit more vocal. I mean, the reason we don't is because we're loyal. You know, mm. when you invest yourself and your time and the rest of it in a person, and within martial arts, you learn how to be loyal and respectful. But I think if, when it becomes a, a hindrance to you and everybody that follows you, you've got to be honest with it. And I, I you know, I fear for, um, you know, the traditional arts, a lot of the traditional arts that haven't got a connection to the Olympics because, you know, there, there's a big risk factor there. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, with mixed martial arts, you know, we're going to go into the kudo now if you like. But it, uh, with the mixed martial a martial arts element, you, you can be exposed very, very quickly. You know, oh, yeah. um, and it, there's no point in saying off oh, for the street. You know, that whole chestnut. 
um, you know, or standing and giving the hardest kick or punch to a pad to impress people. It's all just entertainment because, mm. you know, those who sit in, and we can't say what they were going to have, what, you know, uh, what circumstances are going to be there. I could be attacked at any point, right? So mm. what we can do is make what we do in the dojo a, a lot more rounded. And I was fed up of people saying, that's not karate, or that's judo, or that's this, and that's that. Mm. And with the syllabus pinning me to, to not be able to teach those things, I was, I'm just, it was frustrating. So I just kind of had this thing in the background, you know, like everybody's got of a group that develops, right? And mm. then eventually it becomes something different. Whereas in, when you've got something like this, this is Daidojuku, so it's basically the path of an open mind, you know, it's the free, free thinking. And it, that concept goes across so many different arts. It's not just Kudo. It's mm. literally, it's down to the individual, whether they choose to take that path. But you've got to be honest, you need a place to be able to bring it back to. And if the, the foundation that you've got is very, very restrictive, then you've got a problem. Like I still um, teach Gojin Karate, if you like, which is all the stuff that I wouldn't have in my Kudo syllabus. So basically the, the self-defense stuff, there's, we still practice bow, you know, on occasion, this, we've res re restricted how much kata that we'll do, you know, uh, the bunkai analysis is, that's another rabbit hole that mm -hmm. you could spend all your life and your time going down. You know, you see, I see one thing online and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I blinkered yeah. now, I've got to focus on that, that's amazing. But I think you're doing the right thing from what you were telling me about your syllabus, because you're not thinking of yourself because I think a lot of people shape what they do and what they didn't have themselves mm. through their journey. And they're like, my students won't miss out on this, but let's face it. Do they really want to know it? You know, the amount of people are just teaching and they're teaching to a black belt audience. And then the people on the beginning of their journey are just left out, aren't they? Yeah. Um, well, and that, yeah. Again, that goes down to that person centered learning, you know? Yeah, no, it, it makes it makes sense, and and as well, you can. I don't know you with with syllabuses or syllabi that I've worked with in the past. You would, I don't know, it could it could always seem a little bit overwhelming, and you you'd set like too high a standard for somebody. For example, um, there'd be there'd be kicks. You'd learn a new kick and new punch for every grade from white belt to to, to black belt, right? Which at the end of the day, not everybody's going to be able to do a spinning back, jumping crescent backflip kick or, or anything like that. So you, you've got to get the fundamentals brilliant and then let them work on the rest. And um, going into the individual side of things, the student has to find their own way of performing the technique, yeah. right? And they've got to they've got to find. You can guide them. You can say, right, you can you can generate more power by doing it this way. Here's the template of the technique, but then take it from there and work it for yourself, right? Yeah. So. By, by getting those, by getting like the, the techniques in fairly early, but keeping it relatively basic, I'd rather have, you know, a, hand, a handful of people who have got the world's most powerful roundhouse kick than uh, a handful of people who've got like mediocre crescent, uh, spinning crescent kick, for example. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they don't they don't need to know all that. If, if they want to learn it, we can play with it in class. But yeah, it's it's teaching people. My 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 like I suppose target audience isn't. Um, like a Kumite Olympic world champion who needs to know the the the, the you know the tap of the head spinning back around those kick stuff. It's it's people who want to do functional self defense, functional martial arts, and get fit. You know. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, because I mean, like you said about um, the self defense, you know, like but 
um, I, in my interview when I asked Mark, Mark Howes, um, he talked about Budo and went around and asked people, put them and said, what, what does Budo mean to you? What is Bushido? And when you question people, that puts them on the spot, right, in fright. But yeah. one of the um, autistic kids that I got in the class, um, I'm like, right, when you start, you've got to learn, you know, how to, uh, to tie your belt, you know, how to fold your gi. Mm-hmm. And, um, and his, his belt just kept coming off like every beginner. They just don't get why they should have it on, right? And he said to me, um, so, um, uh, Sensei, why do we have to wear this belt? And um, I, I don't like it. And I'm like, um, because you got him. And then he was yeah. like, but, but why? And um, and he said, why do I have to wear this top? You know, why do I have to wear this? Can I just wear my T-shirt? I don't like the way it feels. Because obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he's, he's got onto the, the sensory part. So we sat down and we talked about it. And, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of the questions, uh, answers for him besides the fact that it's tradition. So it. I'm like, yeah. well, if you don't want to wear it, you don't have to wear it, mm. you know. But the grading, if, for instance, the belt changes color. So if you haven't got a belt, that won't change color. But that's fine. You don't have to do that. You know, and it's I think there's a lot of that, that time. This this kid had been bounced around different clubs. And then, um, you know, the, the, again, this is what we all know about um, the martial arts side of it is if you don't look at your syllabus, you don't really understand how to cater for somebody that's got sensory issues. Mm. Um, there's so many different things outside of that, obviously, in life, because if you don't grapple, for instance, you could find people coming to your group because they think karate is only kicking and punching because they don't want to touch and feel and be close to people. You know, like mm. I said about my ex when I was a kid, one of the reasons right. I wanted to go there, because I could hit people away then. They didn't have to touch me or grab me. And I didn't mm. have to have people looking and staring at my skin and things like that, you know, and it's the same thing when you've got this, this intimate space they're not happy with, they're really not happy with. So, what you know, understanding, again, how that function works is eye contact is, is a difficult thing. So you just show them how to use the back of the head when they're grappling, mm. you know, to come around, so know what to expect. You're going to feel it here, and then you're going to feel it there, and that's when you're going to come into here, and so by step by step, with the understanding of the sensory feeling, you know, and potentially the smells and things, because that's basically you're in a dojo, you're going to yeah, get yeah. the sweat, you're going to get all these things. They really don't like any of that, but then they'll overcome it. And the social parts, then they feel very close to the people. Then, because mm. this one uh, little fellow, he just wouldn't leave his mum alone. And his, and then in the end, his mum was stood next to him the whole class. And then we moved them away from each other. So there's, you know, there's a there's a number of things that martial arts is a, a as a as a intervention uh, is much better because the physical parts there. There's not many things yeah. now that I can think of where you would get that need for contact. Besides maybe rugby or something like that, which is only momentary, isn't it? Besides the scrum. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, I th- I, what you say is like, it, it's really interesting with, um, you have to, you have to make the allowances for people where they need to and then gradually sort of bring them into the more sort of, like not conformist, but like if you say, say now you've got a syllabus and the syllabus involves grappling, eventually they're going to have to do grappling. But like, like if you focus on the individual as opposed to, you know, 60, 70 people in a room and they've all got to do the same thing, then yeah. you can say, all right, for now, just play with this world, gradually work you into it and, and, and reading the student. And and I can't, yeah, I get what you mean. Because one, one of the things that I had, like, um, 
for example, this this autistic girl I've got training with me. She, there's a family. Uh, there's five of them that train, um, and the girl's very. She's dead uncomfortable with um, sparring, but while well, she can, she can give it, she's one of the most like terrifying fighters in the class. <laughs> but she hates the, the you know the hands coming at you that way. That it yeah. gets dead overwhelming. People in your space and everything. So for a little while, then I, I you know I'd, I'd let her work with the mom and dad and, and with a little brother or whatever, and I take her to the side and she'd, she'd work with me and I'd let her just hit me and then gradually sort of you know right I'm going to start slowly feeding punches at you now just gradually gradually and yeah. you know she still struggles with it but it, um, having having taken the time to, uh, to 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 deal with the individual and not the condition or the label to yeah. to diagnose what the you know, not not properly done, but to, to nail, knuckle down on what the actual issue was, we could then work yeah. on that and, and take it from there. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's it's a very it's just a case of helping people to help themselves. It's, you know, mm. That's all you're ever doing, really. You know, it's like the other things. The other century one is is training barefoot. <laughs> it's like, well, why do we have to? Oh, because we're going to go on the mats and and then we have to clean the mats and we don't want to take germs on the mats. Oh, cool, I get that. But, yeah, yeah. but you know, but now we're we're training outside on the grass. Why do we have to do that? You know, we're cleaning the grass. Mm. You know, and then you're like, you're right. <laughs> keep your keep your shoes on. You know, it's that. Type yeah, of yeah. Thing. So, uh, think... Picking your fights, isn't it really? Yeah, I, you, you. It sounds like you're like like me in that respect, where um, like you'll field any questions if if anybody if anybody asks you questions. And a lot of dojos, like you said before, because it, it's traditional, because it's this, because it's that. And and like my take on it is. Uh, if I can't give you a reasonable answer, then you know, fair enough. I don't. I, I, you win. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I think that the thing with the it's it's also the appearance of a very important resource. I think in in any any club, and the, I find that you know, and I'm not just saying just around here, but I I found that parents are kept at an arm's length because you know they they they're busy bodies, or they're going to interfere, or they're going to tell me. And and that's the, that's the main issue because if you're trying to get information, you know, it's easy to stereotype and then say, oh well, actually, it's the parents' fault because mm. you know you can see they're clearly they're, they're clearly not disciplined at home and they're expecting me to discipline them within an hour and a half yeah, you know, yeah. each week, right? Mm. And I, and I get that, but then you, if you engage with the parents, quite often, you know, let's face it, they're the experts; they're the ones that are around their child all of the time. And mm. they'll come up with the things that they want you to help that, with their child. So they'll be the ones saying, this is what my needs are. This is what my child needs are. You know, if there's any way we can help, you will. And then you'll notice that the, the parents then, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky that the parents in our club, are, they pull together. So they become vulnerable and then mm. share information. Um, I created the top of my dojo two levels. So upstairs is like a cafe. Uh, not mm. that we've got to use it very much with COVID, but... You know, it's like it's it's a place where people can share that. But that information, you know, kids got to feel like everybody's around them. The same as adults, you need a good balance, don't you? And and what's going on, you know, and the challenges yeah, need to be there on on their basis. So I think that's with Kudo, for instance, is that um, not not everybody is going to go and fight in a championships, mm. but they can if they want to. When when somebody knows that, um, if I really wanted to test myself. They can see you can see yourself. Surely, if you fought semi-contact or if you fought full contact in Korea with certain limitations and mm -hmm. things, you look at it and just think that's scary. But I, I quite fancy my chances if I could do this and do that, right? Yeah. And that's always in the back of your mind. But 
you know, this is this is what I felt as as obviously black belts as you you around it, you start thinking yourself, could I? You know, honestly, if it came down to it, could I do it? And yeah. uh, you know, the, the the answer is you don't know. And it's it's how often you are doing it as close as you can. So you can't just smash lumps out of each other every lesson, but no. you need to get like close to it reasonably frequently. You know. So, yeah, taking taking it further, a step even further from what you said. Then is um, I was reading um, John Titchen's book, Melting, uh, you know, Crafty Beyond Kata, Melting Ice into Water. It's a stunning book, and it's, it's made me think a hell of a lot. Um, and and again, on the on the avenue yeah. of um, honesty and vulnerability, which you know, the more we speak, the more we keep coming back to how important honesty, and vulnerability, being open with people is. Um, I was reading a chapter in it, and and the long and short of the chapter was, it's all well and good knowing these moves. Um, but it, you know, in a self-defense situation, you know how to break someone's arm, but do you have it in you to break someone's arm? Do you have it in you to actually kill someone if you have to? Do you have it in you to, you know, to tear skin, to bite someone's hand, if you know, all that kind of stuff? And um, you know, I've I've been in in um, a number of self, um, continuous fights. I've been uh, done MMA bouts and all that kind of stuff. But then that's consensual. We've agreed to fight. You know what I mean? The, the stress is different to, I don't know personally if I'd, I mean, gun to my head figuratively, I, I would, I would have just pulled the trigger and, and, and do it. But I don't know, just you, yeah. you have to expose yourself to more and more realistic stuff so that you know that you get as close to it as possible, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's it's what's in the body, you know. Like if yeah. if I'm in a class and I'm showing knees and headbutts, right, that lesson, and then I had a problem that night, that's what's coming out because mm. it's the most fresh thing in my body. You know, yeah, that's yeah. The, and you know I used to practice all sorts of different um, techniques and you know like I think I went down the the, the cutter um, angle for quite some time, but then my muscle memory weren't there, you know, my precision weren't there. And, mm. you know, you need to be able to pull these things out of a bag. So it's not learning loads and loads of stuff. That's great. You know, it's like um, one of the one of the guys in Japan, one of our good uh, uh, Kudo black belts, he said he's got no interest in going. I think I said to you the last time, he's no interest in getting a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because mm. it was a lot of information that he felt wasn't applicable to what he needed it for. And he yeah. wanted to be able to just, when he had to, put his head guard on and be able to, you know, do the job. Whereas in, if he felt if he was having too much information, put in all of the time, it would cause that problem, that blockage. So, you know, it, and it really does matter who you are as a person in, in my, and where you go, right? Because mm. like when I was going drinking, you know, when I was like 19, I, I, I was thinking to myself, well, why the hell was I going there? I was bound to get in trouble. Yeah, you know yeah, I, mean? yeah. I think I was the unluckiest person in the world, but it's, it's, it's not the case, is it? You know, no, no. You, you know and, and the kids, like, let's face it, walking away from a, a fight, when I say to them, like, you know, just, it's not good to tell tales, you'll get picked on, right? But if you just go to your teacher and say, look, I've got trouble with this kid and he's constantly on my case. Now, when it comes to the real fight, when someone corners you, you won't have in the back of your mind that you're going to get in trouble because you haven't told anyone. It's the yeah, best yeah. thing to worry about and you're not going to react in the same way. You're not going to have the freeze response because there's a little bit of information saying, don't worry, you've told them. Mm. Defend yourself. Whereas a lot of the kids are overloaded and have that kind of freeze response. And if you go always doing it like using verbals, 
you know, obviously the VCKA and, you know, the general um, group with, with Jeff Thompson. Mm. It's got a very good underpinning of, of that type of self-protection training, which, which I brought into a long time ago, you know. Mm. Well, but, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, the, uh, that side of thing is something that I've, I've, I've had the misfortune of, of bad timing when I left my old group to go independent to seek all this stuff. It was uh, uh, December 2020, so we had Christmas holidays come back and then, what, two months later, COVID hit, yeah? yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's interesting that you choose um, uh, kids and bullying as an example of, like, a self-protection situation, but honestly, that, you know, that's much more likely than me getting mugged on the street, for example. Yeah. Um, it's one of the things that I've always said to my kids in, in karate class as well that uh, if if you are so if, if somebody's bullying you and you you fear that you are about to get hurt by this person, mm-hmm. why should it? If somebody's going to get hurt, why should it be you, right? Yeah. So it's it's the same thing with with if I'm getting mugged, you know, I've got to stick up for myself, and that's the, that that's the long and short of the self defense law in the UK, as yeah. far as I understand, is if I believe I'm at danger then I'm allowed to take action, right? Reasonable, yeah. measured yeah. action. But yeah, yeah. Um, so no, I, I've, I've always said to the kids in my class that if, if you are being bullied, if you are, do go talk to the teacher. If they still don't do it, or if the kids grab you somewhere that, that you don't, you know, they don't see it. And if you do hurt, if you defend yourself and you get hurt at the end of it, yeah. if the teacher puts you in trouble, tell them to phone me. I'll yeah. stick up for them. And, and that gives them then that, that sort of peace of mind, knowing that, well, I've got this guy in my corner, so, you know, yeah. he can explain to, to the teachers. Hmm. Well, let's, I'll give you an example of, of this, the stereotypical class, right? That when, if you've got kids coming in, and one of the, one of the critics I've had is that um, I allow the kids to talk, allow, um, it seems a bit like, a bit more chaotic. And then yeah. when, the, this is from parents as well as other instructors, mm-hmm. the parents gone, well, you know, they expect them to be like little soldiers, right? So yeah, lined yeah. up, stood there, don't say nothing on the rest of it, right? That's fine, but they will quit because mm. they'll get to a certain point and they're not doing it for themselves, isn't it? So they've learned how to shut up. That's all they've learned. They've learned to shut up and do, right? Yeah. And that that's fine if you can't speak the language you're teaching. You know, mm. say for some Japanese couldn't speak English and I just needed them to practice something, try and copy me. But if I've got the skills to be able to help them, I, I actually, it's, it's like having an adult come into my class and then saying, right, um, you don't know how to punch, uh, you don't know how to kick, you don't know how to do this, but I will show you, right? And then you're like, you'd absolute devalue, because if I'd seen that guy 10 minutes earlier in the local Tesco Express and someone had uh, slapped his wife's rear end or grabbed his child or done anything, he's not yeah, going to yeah. go, well, I don't know how to punch, I don't know how to do this. So, you know, they, they de-skill when someone comes through the door. They, if you're an educator, uh, for instance, like at whatever level, it, it's something called APL. It's like you, you actually acknowledge that there's a skill base already. You don't start them off at the beginning. You no. know, so when someone comes through the door, I say, right, okay, great. You're at this level. We're going to be able to get you there quicker. And mm. it used to be found upon, oh, it's like a, that's double grading. If someone wants to go through every grade, fine. Yeah, yeah. absolutely fine. Kids should. Because you're showing them the the rest of it, but from uh, from this is what I'm saying about kudo. Kudo's not got you need to learn this kick, that kick, blah 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 blah. And mm. you're only going to do a turning back kick uh, when you're a brown belt. Like bollocks, you need it now. Yeah, you yeah, need yeah. It now, if someone turns you around and you're going to learn how to kick. You need it now. And that's yeah. the same mindset I've got with the kids. So, like, 
you know, lots of ADHD kids get pointed in my direction, but it's it's not, it, it's because they think that, well, Kudo's got boxing, he's got this, it's going to keep them really entertained. So that's my referral route. So it's going to keep, I'll entertain them. But it's, it's yeah, yeah. not, it's actually very structured, but yeah. across lots of different things, which makes it more interesting. You know what I mean? That's- yeah, I, I think that's that's one of the things that again, it sounds like you and me have got like a lot in common at this level. Um, if if you were a parent, I, actually, I, I have had it once where uh, a parent brought their kid to class, and I like to teach on a, you know, the respect's there, but we keep it kind of informal because kids learn a lot better through having fun. They're allowed to talk, they're allowed to give a bit of banter from time to time because you know it's it 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 warms them up to me. The parents see them getting respectful, but in like a you know, not in a soldier way, but in a, like a friendly kind of the way that you know you and me would be respectful to each other. We we don't, you know, we didn't bow at the start of this call, but yeah, yeah. no, but that and that's that's the thing, you know, the kids do bow <laughs> at the start of class, but it's they, they need that and they'll they will respect you more. But if you were there for your first class, you'd be sitting there going, "What the hell is this?" What you know, the kids are standing there one minute and then the next minute they're talking across and he's having a joke with them, and you know, I'll I'll go and I'll have a little play fat, I'll, I'll have a tussle with the kids sometimes if you know. But that's that's how that's how kids learn these days. You don't need them. It's not like the classical school system where um, they need to learn stuff by memory. They need to they need to have fun and they need to learn through playing. And the same is true to some extent of adults as well, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but you said banter, right? One of the first mm-hmm. things that I get whenever I've got somebody that's got autism is they say, "Well, no, no, they're literal thinkers. You can't say that because they'll yeah. take it literal." And um, that'll be confusing for them. And I'll be yeah, brilliant. And um, so I'm, I'll give the information that I want across to them very clear, right? But I'm going to use bands because I'm not going to change who I am because mm-hmm. they have they have to learn that. So it's kind of, you know, if you look at anybody that's got autism that's like going through assessment as an adult, they've been missed the entire school. How do they get through school without it? It's because they've yeah. learned when to laugh when not to laugh, the masking. You know, it's structured humour. So mm. it's like, I know if A, B and C makes a joke. I mean, some of the funniest jokes that I've been told by autistic kids, because they've learned why it's funny and they've mm. learned precision with the timing. And yeah. they say, and one of these kids, he made everybody like literally cry with laughter. It was the most inappropriate joke, age, uh, not appropriate at all. <laughs> and everybody, even the instructors were laughing. And after he told me he didn't even know what it meant, you know, so it was like, you know, it's, it's that, it's that type of humor where you've got to go, well, actually this is based on respect. So when I bring them in, um, I'm going to keep, if they, if the class is for them, I gain their respect and then it's, you can push them that much harder, that much further because it's been on their terms And and they will, you will be that inspirational character that, you had in your life that you're aspiring to be like, mm. you know, and they'll teach you how to do it. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't need to be anything besides yourself, right? So that's, that's that, yeah, again, an, an interesting point, which I want to get to in a second, but you, you have to tell me that joke. What is it? <laughs> okay. Okay. It was something to do with uh, something crossing the lake with nuts. I think it was a squiddle. <laughs> It's one right, of the school. Okay, yeah, uh, right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it goes nuts wet or something, but oh, it was yeah, okay. more of a case of like, um, <laughs> It was it was like quite a, an innocent joke if you like, but it was about obviously testicles and stuff. And it was it was the timing because he actually chose to tell people when he thought he would get in trouble. Right. So, so do you know like when you when someone gets caught for talking, 
Mm. And then it's kind of, you got, right, do you want to tell everybody what you were saying? Like that sort of thing. He just lined up one of the guys perfectly for it. So we made him tell everybody and there's nothing that we could do, right? No, 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 brilliant. Fantastic, (laughs) fantastic, yeah. Yeah, uh, so going to the um, uh, the thing, I, I, I've lost my train. That, that's one of the <laughs> things that happens now with this. Um, but uh, like one one of my guys, right? He's um, uh, this this kind of ties again back into what what we were talking about before with with the respect and the structure, and not understanding the student and, and autistic ADHD people asking questions and stuff. Yeah. Um, one of my guys now, he's he's uh, it's actually he joined in the first class I opened on Anglesey uh, eight years ago today and he's he, his mum enrolled him because he was having difficulty making friends and, and all that you know the, the kind of yeah, yeah. He, is, he is on the spectrum him and his brother are um, but anyway he's, he's coming up to the ranks and you know you, you, you learn you learn to deal with him he was only 12 when he started we started making good friends um, he got to his purple belt grading and um, my chief instructor at the time uh, like had a, had a different understanding of people with neurodiverse issues, yeah. um, so in in the grading of his purple belt, he got a little bit frustrated himself for not being able to pull off the technique and started asking questions and and you know trying to get like yeah. you and me would understand it's like okay, he just needs a little bit of help, a little bit of patience. Yeah, but um, the instructor failed him for having a bad attitude, right? So you can you can understand and, and like in front of everybody, so you can understand like he probably felt like such a dick on that day. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, all, all he was because he said that something under his breath to the effect of "Oh, for God's sake!" Now, to me and you, that'd be like, oh, yeah, fair enough. He's struggling; he's not getting it. You know, let's let's try and be give him a bit more space. But the guy went, "All right, that's it." <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, next grading, he didn't turn up. So he'd been doing classes, but he didn't turn up to. Um, you know, to because he didn't want to be humiliated again, just yeah. for the way that he is. Uh, we've 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 made good friends, anyways. He's made his black belt and everything. He's he's uh, twenty now, but he's actually my second in commanding class. And really? him and I've got really? such like, because because I I think I'm to some degree when when I was his age, I was a lot like him, right? And because of the martial arts, I've I've come through that. You know, you get introduced to the personal development stuff, yeah. um, all that kind of stuff. And now he's like. He's in the position to be, well, he's the next in line, really. If anything was happened to me, he he had the club, and he's got so much respect from the students. Yeah. Everybody likes him there for his ways, like not not in spite of, but because of the way that he is. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because he, obviously he he would probably come up with a lot more inventive ways to be able to do certain things. It's like the the, the problem is, it's like with a society which is like that, um, you know, participation medal, that type of stuff, and. You know, it's like people see that as being soft. I mean, I'll give you one example of, of working with someone um, that had massive gross motor skills issues. And it was basically, uh, it was like a life school lesson, right? So they said, right, we, we want him to be able to do the dishes after he's done the cookery. Right? So they basically just let him play around the dishes. And wasn't washing them, they were stinking. And then when he would go, they would clean the dishes. But it was like every week, they would expect him to do a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And it took him about a month, and then he could do the dishes, right? So it was like, you know, this is early days of my career, and I was just thinking, well, 
that's just like being a bit more patient, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah. That what it is? Just allowing someone just to be able to do it on their own steam. They said, mm. no, no, well, actually, it's a little bit more than that, isn't it? It's it's making sure that he understands safety, you know, because yeah. you've got the temperature of the water, you've got all these different things, right? And then actually, you know, he can fail. So it's failure-free activity. And, mm. and I'm like, but he has failed because he hasn't done the dishes. But the failure fit is much down the line. So your expectations are different. So mm. like when I've got anybody, I think that like um, another good way of explaining this is like a graphic equalizer, right? So let's say that we got all of these different um, skills that we should have and mm. some are a bit lower than others. So you'll find that most people, they, when they're talking about autism, they say, oh, it's fantastic at this. You know, it's like the Rain Man scenario where yeah, you know, yeah. what's your superpower? So like someone said to this kid, like, you're autistic, what are you good at? And then he felt terrible because he couldn't tell him what he was good at. But he's just assumed that he would be good at something, right? Yeah. Because of the labels. But it's like, there's obviously going to be a deficit in certain social skills or certain That's skills yeah. there. And mm. I thought that was brilliant. But I thought, well, again, that's a logic that you can use for everyone. So, mm. like, let's say that I got to learn a front kick, a side kick, a roundhouse kick, and I've got to learn a lunge punch, a reverse punch, and the rest of it. I can tell you exactly which ones I'm shit at. And I can tell you, actually, do you know the ones that I'm good at here? If you put this on my other side of my body, I can't do some of them. Yeah, you know? So yeah. I think that the, being honest about doing that and then going, right, pass or fail. If, if an instructor's got a pass or fail uh, mentality, how is an autistic person going to deal with that? How are you going to uh, move? You're going to, it's binary, is it? Switch one on, switch one off. It, it's just never going to work. And that comes down to any bad teaching. That's, yeah. that's just basically in schools, when someone hasn't got the skills and the experience, they're going to mess it up. Mm. You know, that's, again, that's me having a bit of a rant, but that's that's how it is. I'm not perfect as a teacher, but I try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I mean, that's, that's what you need to do. It's, it's the thing, again, coming back to it, it's, it's teaching the individual, not teaching the classes, and you're teaching the student. You're not, you're not, I, I don't need to see a perfect front kick if I know that you can survive without, you know, if, you're, if your roundhouse kick is 100%, if, if you can rely on your roundhouse kick and you're cross, I don't really need you to have that. It's, it's measuring by effect versus measuring by, like, you know, the arbitrary measures of, of, of how it looks and everything. And, and like you say as well, with that sort of pass-fail binary, I, I've, I've never really liked that approach um, because you might be having a bad day. You know, you might have had, you might have a, a so cramp in your leg. Yeah, yeah. So the, the way the way that I've sort of, because um, this is something that came up and it's made by the, like the Bunkai bastards that I was listening to not long ago, um, saying about the two ways of grading is one, like a formal grading, and the other one is, uh, you know, where, all right, fair enough, you, you've, you've ticked all the boxes, you're showing really good, good, um, progress so here's here's your belt congratulations and i've still got the the formal grading but in less of a pass fail mentality and more of a graduation mentality yeah right so, okay you know if, if you're there if you if you tick the boxes you've shown me over the past three months whatever that you've that you're competent that you that you've that you've done all the criteria then yeah you're welcome please come along to grade um yeah. but turn up with a mindset of I've done it. This is a graduation. I'm, 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 I'm doing these moves one more time just to send them off in a way, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. You, you're taking away that pressure and that, that, like you said, that binary pass-fail switch. But it's, it's, you know? it's a horses for courses, isn't it? It's like when when I came on board with Kudo, I was like, when we do Keon in Kudo, you, you do lots and lots of repetitions. But mm. when you do like traditional martial art, you could probably spend 
what you know that the same amount of time you do 10 kicks doing one and maybe mm. in four counts to try and make it perfect position yeah you know, with no understanding of actually how to do it whereas in when you need to throw more than one kick you can't because mm. your body's set for that one hit one knockout or what, that one thumping kick but what yeah. good is one thumping kick if you can't land it mm. do you understand what i mean so it's like i see a difference where, where i would say that my students would therefore lose the sharpness of certain things in their technique it doesn't matter because they've got to grapple they've mm. they've got to learn close quarter striking you know they've got to understand what it's like to be under pressure all of the time yeah. and i would give that up for nothing i mean i've seen something on andy allen's site where some somebody give him criticism about one of his students was kind of throwing a quite a wide hooking punch I mean, it, I don't know, you know, if it was intended to be like an over overarm or whatever. Yeah. But it didn't matter. Those kids were looking like they were learning to defend themselves. Yeah. You know? And I was thinking, like, what a dick this guy has put this comment where you should just, like, look at the merit of the way that they're learning. And now those kids mm -hmm. have to go back to school the following day. You know, I'd, I would put money on it. They got a better chance. Yeah. I, the, so the, the stuff that Andy puts up is insane. The, the, you know, the, the level of proficiency and, and the graft that his kids are putting into it and you know again this but the, i think that comes down to um people who have hit real life people in sparring and people who have practiced shots yeah yeah you know yeah, totally. you yeah. know sometimes a shot has to come far it can it can be a hook and they might move a fraction so you got you got to widen it up a little bit yeah. like it's it's context and it's it you can throw kagazukis at a uh, um, focus met stationary all day. You can throw it in the air all day. The, the technique will be perfect. But you yeah. put a moving target in front of you. You've got to adapt it. It's never going to look perfect every time. No, no, not at all, not at all. I mean that <sighs> that realism. You know, it's and that's what I was saying. That the it's this is all mentality. Whether we're talking about you know, also we would say <clears throat> talking about neurodevelopmental disorders and kudo and things like this. It's like mm. I think that when it comes down to it. Um, it's all about nurturing environments, mm. right? And it, it's about whether, you know, we're talking about my club, your club, uh, Kudo organization. It's like when, I'll tell you the difference between like why I got involved in Kudo compared to the others, right? When I go to a normal competition, you've got every bonehead in the world, shadow boxing, eyeballing everybody, trying to work out yeah. who's in what, who's category. And then it go on all day, all day. And then, you know, stoop the clock and get your fight, right? If you're a higher grade. Um, well, there's none of that because it's well organized. People know who's fighting who. You're mm. on. Um, and everybody looks the same when you've got those head guards on anyway. Yeah, so yeah. You, you wouldn't be able to pick them up the crowd anyway. Um, and the etiquette for Kudo, for instance, when I went to France to, uh, to the international camp there run uh, by uh, a friend now, um, Fabrice, he, everybody comes out their way to say hello to you at the beginning mm. and before they leave. Every single person in the room. If you're a spectator, they'll come up and say hello and say, you know, us for us a bit and smile. And you know it's not personal, right? Yeah, now, yeah. that's a nurturing environment where you've got something, but there's no cock of the wall, no no, no guy strutting this stuff because mm. you fight at that level. And, like, I know in the room that the black belt that I'm wearing around my waist is only as good as the time that I'm on my best fighting. So, in mm. other words... I'm going to go into that room, room knowing there's a very good chance I'm going to get my ass handed to me. That yeah, thing, yeah. Got, and even if I was feeling good, I know it's going to happen at some point. And that mm. inevitability, actually, like I was saying to you about BJJ, 
it's one of the reasons I think the BJJ's got so big is because people learn to lose, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then therefore, you know, they get close with everybody and then it builds this kind of camaraderie. And I, mm. that's like why I've taken that into my dojo and the kids have to go out their way to introduce themselves to every single person. As awkward as it is, you know what it's like? The first time you walk through the door in a dojo, you're like, uh, and everybody's like brilliant and you're no one and all this sort of stuff. Mm. It's not like that, you know? And I think that's that community is what you need. My students know we're part of an international community. Mm. And at any time, someone could walk through our door and they would be welcomed, you know? And if we go abroad, they can go and do the same thing. And I think that's where, you know, you've got to make sure that if you're part of an association that you do your legwork like obviously with covid we can't do it but isn't no. it you know within within uh, at this interview now within mm. two months i would have met you because yeah, yeah. that's that's what we've got to do if you're going right. to keep real people uh, connected it can't be just words or lip service can it it's got to be uh, the real thing that's yeah yeah that's that uh, it, it is one of the the biggest sort of kicking the nuts that I've had from COVID is that the, the plan was to go out because the, the, the organization that I came from was quite insular. It was, it was in itself, you, you only really dealt with the people, uh, the other four or five schools in the same group and they're all within, you know, 20 miles of each other. But the, the, the second that I've been free, it's not freed up, but, you know, been able to explore and make new friends and meet new people, um, my intention was to go out there and train and meet and do seminars and, and, you know, do all this networking. Um, I managed to get down to talk, uh, to do one session with Lee Taylor before, yeah, um, you know, before the crap hit the fan. Yeah. Um, but the, the, you know, the intention was my other friend now, he's left the same group and we, we want to go, do you know what I mean? Do a weekend with, you know, take our wives with us and we'll go to a seminar, we'll meet people and then we'll go back and then the next month to go to a different place and meet different people. Yeah. But it's, yeah. <laughs> What can you say about that? Uh... Well, the thing is, you, you bring back that energy, won't you? You know, like, and you need um, people a little bit more open-minded. It's like, like Lee Taylor, for instance. Um, you know, I was I was about to propose to my wife in Italy. I was sat in a cafe, constantly kind of thinking of opportunities and things, and seeing mm. Lee pop up. And I was like, I sent him a message, and you know, he's been a friend ever since. And he understands that there's. Uh, a martial art has to have lots of different outlets for mm. your students because he, he is one of the people that always considers his students. Yes. And, you know, he got, you know, there was four of them involved in Kudo. We did an open seminar there just mm. to see who'd be interested. And the good thing was it was like, the way he presented it was like, right, we've got this guy coming. You guys are going to be entering this competition. Um, and then if they didn't want to do it, they, they'd be like, oh, come on. You know, mm. it was like, does anybody interested? It's like open day at the college. You know, you don't go. You don't get made feel bad because you don't want to do hair and beauty compared to like something else. Do you? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is what it is, and and I think that mentality goes goes a long, long way. Um, mm. You know, I I think to be honest, I think there's the community um, is is moving that direction. Um, but it, I think for anybody watching this, they should really consider, you know, what they put out as far as the the image, because you know some people think, oh, it's just soft. And then we could have kids that become at risk because they go into something that's considered tough, you yeah, know, yeah. And, and therefore, you know, you're, you've got to put your kids' um, safety first, right? Mm. I would never let one of my kids when they're growing up go into a, a dojo or anywhere where the guy says, come back in an hour and a half. 
I'd be like, no. I'm yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. My kid's that's... going in there, so am I. You know, and yeah. I don't think that should change, really should change. That's my opinion, but, you know. No, I, I agree. It's, it, it's one of the things. There's, there's a lot of things that I've always been kind of, you know, you, you're stunned to hear that other people don't do it the same way because it's so, like, when, when I heard that um, a lot of traditional martial arts schools never hit pads, that was like, are you serious? That, 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 the thought of not hitting pads had never occurred to me in a martial arts school. The same thing as uh, running a martial arts school, the thought of not letting the parents come and sit and watch. They're part of the community as well. They need to see what you're doing with their kids. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm. Especially with, you know, safeguarding and change that's there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, okay, well, well let's let's get the conversation back back on track a little bit then because it's, it's been a really great tangent. I, I always enjoy conversations <laughs> that, that flow nicely with that kind of stuff. But... Um, so we've talked a lot about the Kudo um, and organisations like that. Now, so just out of interest for time, are you, are you good for another maybe 10, 15 minutes? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. No worries. Yeah, it's fine. So um, going into Kudo now, uh, give us a rundown of, of what it actually is, because I've been, I've been following your stuff for a while and, you know, see, yeah. seeing the bits and everything, but there'll be people watching this who, who may have heard Kudo and kind of not get what we're talking about. Yeah, well, well, Kudo is, is um, it's a hybrid martial art. So... Um, you know, instead of giving you the, the whole history about it, I think what people just want to know is, you know, um, you know, as a martial art, what it is, because it's been yeah. criticized for not being uh, a martial art and being more of a sport. So, Daido uh, Juku Kudo, Kudo is the sporting platform. So, that's where you see the guy in the blue, guy in the white, both head guards going for it when they're fighting. So, um, as an organization, Kudo is, is international, but it's home in Japan. Um, the Russians have their own federation. Uh, the world leaders in Kudo are in Japan and Russia. Not massive around the world. Um, you know, it's at different sizes besides out of those two countries, still growing. And obviously that's what I'm trying to do is push for Wales. So I'm the branch chief for Wales, specifically in the UK. I'm also responsible for, for pushing Kudo uh, mm. in the UK to help people to set up. Um, but what Kudo is, like I was saying, it's a hybrid between Judo and Karate originally because the founder, um, Master Zuma, was uh, high profile in both martial arts, thought that uh, standalone karate and judo didn't have enough. And uh, Kyokushin was his background. And they would practice headshots, but in knockdown, which was the biggest um, part that went around the world, there was no headshots. So uh, he decided to go headgear, use headbutts and involve the judo. So that's how it how it kind of started. But since then, and you know, obviously instructors, there's different fads. The Thai boxing has become a big part of it. You've got to have good boxing skills, um, in Kudo as well for close quarter. So you can, as far as the sporting element, when you uh, go to competition, you can use headbutt, you can use elbows, you can use knees, uh, you can use kicks, obviously. Um, any sort of form of punching, there's no sort of style, you can only punch straight. You know, there's hooks, all the rest of that. Um, throws, so foot sweeps, anything like that, any sort, any form of takedown. Uh, and then we get the time limitations when we're on the ground, say for instance. So um, you get 10 seconds in a clinch. So in other words, you throw, you know, it's like you throw, you miss, you get into a clinch, 10 seconds. If there's no throw, no takedown, uh, you're separated, you carry on. So that's 10 seconds of that. And that tends to be all headbutts and knees, to be honest. But 
Yeah. Um, if you go to the ground, there's a 30 second limit on the on the ground, um, and if it's not no no submission, um, then you stood back up again. Okay. Um, there's no ground and pound, so uh, this is one of the parts I like about it from a safety point of view. Is that if you've got someone that's mounted, they can simulate. So this is like teammates so at the point of impact. So they they throw the throw the punches, um, and then they probably go for a submission or something. So there are points, accumulated points. So say, for instance, um, I take you down, I end up in mount position, I simulate, and then that's when it stops. You're going to get a point for dominance. Mm. But the, the real skill comes in when you're doing the judo. It's like, let's say that there's like a basic old soldier guy, like a, um, you know, just a leg reap. They go to the floor, neon belly will show dominance. Mm. So you can't just throw them on the floor. You've got to control, you've got to show skill. All right. That most of the fights go to submission or knockout, and obviously, if it goes to the the cards, then there's a, a refereeing system, which is pretty much again there's about the points that are going. It's not mm. stopped unless someone's thrown miles out of the arena, okay, or if the head guard comes off or something like that. Um, there's like stipulations against it. One of my students had that problem in the World Championship, and they went against him, and um, and you know pretty much it's all you know all to the wall. If there's um, a size difference in between the two fighters, then groin kicks are allowed as well. So, nice. you know, if there's a much bigger guy, right? So, like, there's always an issue for me. It's like, how would you get that guy's head from there down here to knee it? Well, if you kick mm. him in the balls, it happens. So I think that's a really yeah, yeah. good self-defense. So, again, I bought into that because I always thought I didn't want to spend a lot of time on the ground. Um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a big part for lots of people um, and because they want to learn the ground game. But it, when you're frantic with the punches, goes to the floor, you've only got that short amount of time, it kind of changes the game. So yeah. um, that, that's cool, though. As, as far as the way the arts practiced, there is Kion, um, but that Kion is not as in basics mm -hmm. of stances, uh, moving forwards and backwards like that, um, in falls anchored. So it's in a fighting stance position, yeah. jab, cross, you like boxing. But it's about mm -hmm. learning to ground and base yourself. Then you learn to move, which is the Edo, the movement. And then you've got like break force throws. So you've got a syllabus like that. And there's a belt system. The belt system is not like it is in Korea, where you had learned certain techniques for the grade. Um, you've got to learn the syllabus, the same syllabus all of the time. It's just when you come to do your grade, then there's a series of fights and then demonstrations. So if you imagine like if you have uh, demonstrated a shoulder throw, You'd have a bit of free form so you can demonstrate that you can do it um, in the, each area. Then when it comes to the fights, you have a series of like clinch fights, ground fights, and then four kudo rules. So what I like about it in the early grades is that you, um, you you've all graded like for fighting like Hyokushin in the first one because you want to build the confidence of not having your head knocked off. But yeah, then it yeah. moves into more like kickboxing type style. And then obviously with the kids, there's less head contact. Um, in the earlier years, and then move until they move into adults, where it's going to be more an informed choice. So, um, you know, as far as kudo for me, um, what I what I do is I run um, a Skojin Kudo Academy. I run the karate side and the karate element, and I don't charge for gradings. So basically, when they get and they've learned what they need to learn within karate, they they're given the belt in the same way as you'd like from a BJJ gym. Mm. You put your time in, you get the grade. Yeah, With yeah. the kudo grading, because it has to be formulated and it has to be um, assessed and sent to Japan, I've followed the syllabus, so therefore there's cost involved in that for the grading promotions. 
Uh, but people don't mind because they're part of an international network where they know that they're going to get it. Um, and for me in the UK, um, I guess what I'm trying to do is encourage people to take a look at the platform, not to leave their ad, so to speak, but look at kudos as a sport and, you know, really speaking, if they wanted to get involved in that style of fighting. Mm. And I guess what I'm trying to do, and this is what I've told Japan that I'm doing, is that I'm trying to encourage people to at least try it, trial it for a little while, see what you think of it, and, um, you know, try and create a, a network of people so we can travel. Because let's yeah. face it, you know, it took the fun out of it. I think you said it when we were talking last time that, uh, traveling and going to competitions just become a real thorn in my side. And if it's not yeah, something yeah. I look forward to, no one really looked forward to it. And the only people who seem to look forward to are the people who are taking the money and putting it in their pocket. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so um, I, I suppose I want to change that. I want to make it a lot more organized, have set fights. Um, mm. Like difference between Kudo gets called MMA in a gi because <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. it looks like that and seems like that. Um, it, it's for me, it's it's more functional because you can use the gi. Um, but the the problem I get is that from the traditional side, if you like, people see kudo as as a little bit too MMA, you know. And when the MMA guys are looking at it like we're too much like the traditional element, you know. So we're we're kind yeah. of middle road, and um, I quite like it there personally because it allows me to keep my friendships alive from my karate uh, background. And the other traditional arts, and uh, keeps me a foot in the MMA uh, arena for anybody mm. that wanted to move that direction. Because I think that you've got to be honest that this is not going away. MMA is not going away. UFC, Bellator, all the rest of them are not going away. And kids will go where they think is cool. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it, there's a lot of interesting things that you said there. Um, one of the one of the biggest things I think to me appealing about kudo is that it's um, like coming from a pragmatic perspective of karate and, and analyzing the kata and the bunkai and everything like that. It does seem, um, you know, you you take the three K approach. Now you've got the the, the kata, the kyo, and the kumite, and, and as Ian Abernathy says, never never the three shall meet type of thing. But it seems like with kudo, it's it would translate better to a real fight than anything else would. So, for example, you, you've got all the techniques, like the throws and stuff that you find in kata, for one thing. You've got the joint locks, you've got uh, the, the, the functional hooks and stuff like that, even down to stuff like time limits. You, you, you normally look at time limits and uh, rules like that as, as, as a, uh, well, it's, it's sporty, so you're setting the limitation on it, blah, 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 this way. But yeah. 30 seconds is a reasonable time you, you translate that into um, uh, like a proper, you know, no, no uh, non-consensual fight. If you're on the floor for more than 30 seconds, you're going to get somebody kicking the shit out of you from above there anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, so it makes sense that you've got some rules in that respect. Um, yeah. So it seems like a, a really nice hybrid between uh, the, the functional side of the martial arts and the sporting side. If, if you wanted to test your uh, test, for example, kata-based sparring that Ian does. Yeah, it seems that that would work really, really well in a kudo yeah, yeah. environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. I, I mean, it's why I got into it. To be honest, it was like I was desperate to show that the the style of karate that I was doing, um, and it, it, you know, my club really would could cut the mustard. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. and actually, it, it some of the things that we do, um, which again, like I've got to be careful because the guys 
in the kudo community will probably look at this as well but it's like i i would say they were karate throws rather than judo throws and um like i i would more likely go for a cross buttock throw than i would a hip throw for instance mm. um because it's it's that it's more functional when someone's swinging for your head and it you know it there's there's things in Korea which you're never going to be able to get out of my muscle memory um mm. you know yeah. and and to be honest like they add that little bit of uh, extra for our guys um, yeah. because it hasn't just come from that one stream so but that's the beauty of uh, Kuro because I mean some of the guys that are training on in the got dojos in Japan they're, they're bouncing the front leg the same as the Thai boxers yeah yeah because, because the guy who, whose gym is going there he was spent a lot of time in Thailand you know and nobody frowns upon it you know because no. that's what I'm saying when you've got a when you've got a one title which allows so much growth and so many arts to come in without mm. calling it MMA. You know, because we start, we have the same sort of ritualistic stuff that you get in Cry. And I and I do like that. You know, the guys in our dojo, we we made a, a choice that we were going to uh, continue by doing all gi based arts, not yeah. not you know like BJJ non no gi BJJ sort of stuff, you know because we like the etiquette and the respect that goes with it. And it actually, when someone comes through the door, if they go, oh, bro, you know, I want to be a cage fighter, and I watch Colin McGregor and all this sort of stuff, mm -hmm. they, you, you turn them up, tell them they've got to wear a suit. And, it, and it, it's like a filter, right? It's like yeah, a bullshit yeah. filter. It's kind of like, is this guy, you know, the old tap-out T-shirt, bell-end, that just wants to learn to scrap or just have a scrap? You know mm. what? Worst case scenario, he comes in, he has a fight, he gets hurt, he never comes back. Yeah, yeah. We have a fight with him. He doesn't get hurt. One of us gets hurt to allow him to get in, and he never comes back. Yeah, yeah. So there's never a win situation. So bring the gi, good induction, sorts the stuff out. No, that's that's yeah. yeah I like I like that. I can totally get what you mean with the gi being a filter as well. And that that's it's just a different. It's got a different vibe to it, doesn't it? And that vibe. There's, there's a saying, your vibe attracts your tribe, right? So if you've got that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, if yeah, you've got like the geese and everything like that, you're only going to bring people in who may be more into the sort of traditional, the more sort of cultural version of the martial arts as well. Um, I'm, I'm just going to find a picture real quick because one, one of the rules that you said was uh, like stunning uh, was the groin kick rule. Um, yeah. And I've got, I've got it right at the top of my thing here. So um, when you've got an opponent that's a lot taller than another opponent, um, this is from so I've, I've I've said before that the competitions that we got locally they're not um, they're not great uh, they're not particularly well you know not not speaking of the, the the organization and the way they run it doesn't really sort of gel with the way I like to run things yeah um, so in, there's you know there's some, there's some schools who got who are like who they're purely for trophy hunting they're just like a purely fight like competition fight school and they'll yeah. they'll take boys out and they'll just go. Um, wherever they can to get more trophies to the school. So um, I'll show you the picture now, the guy in the red and the guy in, in the black T-shirt there. Um, I think this is both the under-16s category. Where's, where's the camera gone? But look at the size difference between those two. What? That's yeah, they're both under-16s in that picture. Yeah, yeah. So the, the other guy, the, the tall guy, he was just keeping, keeping my guy away with kicks. Yeah. And the, the the guy in the black T-shirt, he was one of, he's, he's one of the, like, the, the best fighters. He can kick the ass of most adults. But yeah. this guy was like a foot taller than me, even. So, you know, I had a couple of groin kicks now, and that might have sorted him out. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, like the the weight the weight thing with Kudo is like you measure in height in centimeters mm. and kilos. 
yeah, yeah. Then you add the two numbers together, which gives you a value, and then you end up with reasonably fair matches. So if you do get someone that's really tall, mm. the other guy will be really short and stocky. So it's not yeah, going to yeah. be an issue, right? Because the stockier guy is going to go for your legs, and that's yeah. all the guy is going to be trying to keep you at range. So it's it makes it um, a lot more interesting as a, as, a, as a fight. But yeah, kick in you know, a nice calf kick on that. <laughs> yeah, that, you see, that, that's the other thing as well. They, they were playing by very sort of old school, uh, old school rules where you, you know, kicks above the waist, don't go too hard, and, unless you're from this school, then you can go a little bit harder than the other school. Which, uh, you know, and it, so yeah. that's that's why before speaking to you about the competitions, that, that I, I, yeah. I, I I swore that I would never do another competition. The kudo and the way, you know, the, the more you talk about it, the more like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm keen to give it a go now. Once stuff opens up again. Great, no, I'd be brilliant. You're more than welcome. Everybody is, you know. At the end of the day, it's like I'm, I'm just trying to get more people in the yard. You know what I mean? Mm. Because as much as you know, I've seen some people going, "Oh, with this, with that," and or you know, giving grand messages, messages, and maybe they're just one dojo. You know, it's Mm. it's like Kudo Wells is just based on that. You know, uh, in Barry and a few, uh, obviously, dojos would have put students in uh, for our championships and stuff. So. Just, you know, if anybody's watching this and wants to get involved, then, uh, you know, just have a chat and uh, we'll take it from there. Yeah, yeah. Good. No, brilliant. Um, so I think I think that's a good time actually to to call it a call, it a call, or call it a day or whatever. But, um, <laughs> so just super quick then so you can get your stuff out there. Uh, what are you working on? Where can people find you? What do you want to sort of... It's, it's, it's Mal's time. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just uh, at the minute, obviously with COVID... Um, all I'm trying to do is just set up dates to do intros to Kudo. So if you're interested in um, looking at Kudo or just for more information, you can contact me uh, via Gojan Kudo Academy or Kudo Wales, which is on Facebook, both uh, pages of mine. Um, you can get in contact me that way. Um, we're, I'm going to be all over the place for the next uh, couple of months. So I'm in London, um, going to be in like North Wales, mm. um, Bradford. There's a few, uh, obviously, Spanner. So you're first um, going to be up in his dojo up there. Um, you know, Anthony Pendlebury, hopefully you'll be able to catch up with him. And, and the people have met through COVID. So, um, you know, there's been some absolutely amazing uh, people, lots of material for online. And I just hope that we all get a chance to uh, meet up. So maybe we do all do that at the same time. Like Brian mm. Bates was talking about getting a, a group together down there. So, um, you know, I, I'm not going to name drop any more people. I think, I think you guys get the gist of it. But I, I just... Just get together. So look out for it. Look out on these guys' uh, web pages. I'm sure that you'll uh, get to meet meet me at some point. It's 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 gonna blow up once once everybody. Because just a, a quick aside, I think um, the amount of interaction that there's been online between all these like practical martial arts people in the past few months, like mm-hmm. once once everybody, we've all made friends online now. So once everything opens up again, there will be like loads of meetups. I'm sure. So it's gonna be amazing. But thanks, Mal. It's been it's been yeah. super good talking to you. Um, Cheers, John. Thanks very much for your time, mate. Much appreciated. See you soon, buddy. Yeah. Bye-bye, then. Bye. Bye. So thanks for checking in again this week, guys. I hope you took some ideas away from that. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to like and subscribe down below. Uh, and if you have anything to say, be it positive or negative, I always enjoy hearing other people's opinions and engaging either way. Don't forget that you can pick up some sick martial arts casual wear over at artmarshallclothing.com. And if you use the code SPIRIT at checkout, you can get 20% off your order. That's excluding outlet items, but that also helps you support the uh, Warrior Spirit Clan by doing so. Thanks again, guys. I'll catch you soon.